What's up, guys? Rachel Lindsay here, and I am teaming up with your favorite Ringer podcasters to deliver the Bravo drama and news that you've been craving on Morally Corrupt. It's the show about all things Bravo, from the housewives to summer house and everything in between. We'll be mentioning it all every week. Check it out on Spotify and theringer.com. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. All right, it is Wednesday, May 18th. A lot going on this week. Coming to you from New York, I'm here for the television upfronts. I was at the Warner Brothers Discovery presentation this morning. This week is when all of the companies come and show all the new shows to the TV ad buyers. And Warner Brothers Discovery today was kind of this like onslaught of all these different networks, like the Turner Networks. Shaq got up there and started making fun of Charles Barkley to talk about TNT and TBS. Um, Wayne Gretzky showed up to talk about hockey. Uh, Pedro Martinez spoke Spanish to talk about MLB. Uh, then uh, just dozens and dozens of shows. At one point, Lil John was talking to a property brother and being interviewed by Jennifer Hudson at the same time, which is kind of bizarre. Uh, a lot going on. Also from Cannes, I was checking out the news from Cannes, France. The film festival is going on. Uh, the Tom Cruise retrospective was today, which I found hilarious because Tom Cruise is very good at not doing any substantive interviews when he's got a movie to promote. He does red carpets. He'll do pre-prepared, you know, TV stuff sometimes. And then he did this tribute at the Cannes Film Festival where they had a sycophantic interview come out and talk to him about all of his movies. And they played clips of every movie that he's ever been in, which was interesting, people noticed, because they included clips of all of the stars of his movies with him, except for one. Craig, who do you think that one person that was a co-star with Tom Cruise who was not included in the retrospective? I'm going to go with Nicole Kidman. I think you would be right if you said Nicole Kidman, his ex-wife. They made three films together, Eyes Wide Shut, Days of Thunder, and Far and Away, yet she did not appear. Also, there were no substantive questions, nothing about his life, the Scientology stuff, you know, what's going on with Surrey, none of it. So Tom Cruise, never change, working for you, do no substantive press ever. But that's what's going on in the world. Today, we are going to talk about a separate topic and a little bit more serious. We saw the conclusion yesterday of the Amber Heard testimony in the Johnny Depp defamation trial. This is, as everyone knows, just consuming social media. It's incredibly popular. People are tuning in in droves. I'm 
pretty fixated by it. I think it's fascinating, not just the tabloid stuff and things that make the headlines, but as a legal proceeding, it's actually really interesting. I'm a former lawyer. And today I brought, I'm bringing in Eric Gardner, who covers the legal world for Puck, where I work. And I've worked with Eric for 15 years now. He's an expert on trials and lawyers and you know how the jury might react to all this stuff. So we really got into it. And just a, a little disclaimer here, you know, this we're not vouching for any of the substance of who says what and what, who might be telling the truth and who might not be telling the truth. We're particularly interested in the legal machinations here. Who's up, who's down. This is how lawyers talk. And we're going to get into it without vouching for anything that either side has said. So we are not team Depp. We are not team Amber. We're just talking about the legal stuff. That is what we are concerned with. I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Eric Gardner. Eric is the national correspondent and founding partner at Puck, where I work. And he is an expert on all things legal and trials. We had a divorce lawyer here last week, two weeks ago, talking about the Johnny Depp testimony. And I thought it would be a good counter to that to have Eric come in and talk about the Amber Heard testimony because she finished up testifying in the 100 million, 50 million, whichever side you take defamation case that is currently winding its way through the court in Virginia and is all over social media and television. It's really a fascinating trial. I've been watching and listening as often as I can. And I was especially keen to hear how Amber Heard would testify because the Johnny Depp allegations got so much attention. And, you know, we saw everything from the poop sketch on SNL to, you know, the fact that writers at the Washington Post and Wall Street Journal were weighing in on who's right and who you can believe and how this whole thing ended up in court in the first place. So I was very keen to watch the Amber Heard testimony. I thought that she did an okay job. You know, she really harped in on this notion that she was an abused spouse, that Johnny Depp was a quote monster every time that he would drink or use drugs, he would turn into something that she would have to essentially become um, defensive over. And any time that she was physical with him, it was always in self-defense. Let's listen to a little bit of her testimony. There's two different situations that we're referencing in this fight, two different altercations between Johnny and I involving the door. The first of which, which we first start talking about, where I'm talking about hitting him, I am talking about uh, the, what that conversation is about is about the disparity, uh, uh, the disparity between Johnny and I in our physical fights, the disparity of how he would proactively punch me and I would have to resort to reactively hitting him. I am talking about the difference between a punch, which Johnny did often, and me having to hit him in my defense. I know the difference between those two, and I'm highlighting the difference between those two, even if he wasn't twice my size. They're very different, and that's what I'm pointing out to him. Eric, my question for you is, how do you think Amber Heard did? I think she did pretty well, considering the circumstances. I mean, she's been under attack for weeks in this trial, and uh, she got up, and she was pretty detailed about the incidents uh, she said happened. She, you know, talked about how much she cared for Johnny. She explained why it was very hard for her for her to leave him. Um, she, you know, when when it came to cross and her credibility was under attack, 
uh, I think that she she kind of held her own. I you know the other side they were trying to you know poke at any inconsistencies in her story, and uh, I don't think that there were any glaring ones. At most, you know, she had to kind of defend why there weren't as much photography, you know, corroboration for for some of her abuses, and maybe that was a little bit of a weak point. But overall, you know, I, I think that she had pretty good answers to all of all of the inquiries you know they tried to get her on whether she abused him whether you know she gave all the divorce money to charity as she promised you know why she had gifted him a knife if she was so afraid of him uh, you know why she liked to take pictures of him sleeping and so, so on and so forth and you know i think she you know did fairly well she seemed pretty prepared by her attorneys for, for all these questions yeah i think she did okay here she was pretty well prepared she went back and forth a number of times with Depp's attorney, Camille Vasquez, who really pressed her and was really dismissive of some of her claims and interrupted her a number of times. I think that was a strategy there. The, the Depp strategy seems to be to question everything she says and you know to get the jury to just not believe her at all. So they really took a skeptical tone with her. Let's listen to a little bit of that. Sitting here today, Ms. Heard, you still haven't donated the $7 million divorce settlement to charity. Isn't that right? Incorrect. I pledged the entirety no, of Ms. the Heard, settlement, $7 million to charity, question. and I, I Heard, intend to Ms. fulfill Heard, those obligations. Heard, that's not my question. Please, what try was your to question? answer my question. Sitting here today, you have not donated the $7 million, donated, not pledged, donated the $7 million divorce settlement to charity. I use pledge and donation synonymous with one another. They, but I don't. Miss Heard, I don't use it synonymously. That's how donations are paid. Miss Heard, respectfully, that's not my question. There was this question of the bruise kit, which I know if you look on TikTok where the Amber Heard, uh, <laughs> the anti-Amber Heard forces are very strong on TikTok. It's very pro-Johnny Depp. And they're focusing a lot on this bruise kit, which was a makeup kit that was supposedly to cover up her injuries when she did press and other things. Um, what did you fall on that? What, what did you get from the testimony? Well, I think it's pretty key because I mean, if there's one point in which uh, Depp's attorney, Camille Vasquez, was was pretty good at poking at is, you know, why you say there were these gruesome injuries and, you know, you broke your nose at one point, you, you got hit by fingers with, with, with all these rings on it, but you know, you, you would show up the next day on James Corden and, and, you know, you'd look perfectly fine. You'd be laughing and, and there weren't any uh, signs of being, of being hit. How come? And so she had to explain the, uh, that away. And she, you know, basically tried to pose herself as an expert in makeup and cover, covering up and, Obviously, that that sets off a lot of people uh, who, who you know have theories about you know whether or not she's really uh, you know covering up or using the makeup right. And you know, I think at one point even the makeup company even chimed in on uh, on social media. But uh, you know, over, overall, I think she did okay on, on that. There was this question of who was leaking all of this information to the media, because I know if you, again, if you look at social media, people think that Amber herself was fueling a lot of these, uh, these claims against Johnny and about their relationship leaking to TMZ. She had a different 
take on the stand. She actually said it was probably Johnny's lawyer, Laura Wasser, which I thought was very interesting because you would not think necessarily that uh, Depp's own lawyer would be leaking these kinds of videos and content to TMZ that were not necessarily flattering for her own client, but obviously painted Amber in a pretty negative light as well. Most of the time, celebrity divorces go quiet and you don't hear much about them. You know, you, you obviously hear that they're getting di- divorced, but you don't hear the details about it. But this was a case where well, you, everyone knew what was going on and there were a lot of salacious allegations. So I think that the lawyers and the publicists were really trying to work the refs, trying to work the media uh, during during the divorce days, uh, leaking stuff to TMZ and other outlets, trying to, you know, basically look like the, the, the good person. Um, so it doesn't surprise me whatsoever to, he, to hear five years later uh, that it comes out that, you know, some of the attorneys for, for both sides were, were, were talking to, to the media at, at this time and leaking stuff. That's just how, how sometimes it goes when, when you're in, in, in the limelight. You know, the crux of Amber Heard's counterclaim, the $100 million counterclaim against Depp, is not that Depp said things that were defamatory about her. It's that his lawyer, Adam Waldman, made a series of comments about her that she found defamatory. And that came up in the testimony a lot. Now, you've covered Adam Waldman. Uh, You once wrote a column, I remember, saying that he should fire, that Depp should fire his entire legal team, including Adam Waldman. Uh, what do you think of him and what do you think about those comments that he made? It's no secret that I do not think very highly of Adam Waldman. Uh, he is a very... Uh, but wh- why is that? Yeah, why is that? I think that he walks into any situation and makes it worse. I don't think that this whole uh, you know, strategy of, of suing for libel was was a, a good one for Depp. I think that no matter you know what how this trial turns out that, you know, it's going to reflect negatively on him, um, you know, all the drugs and, and, and all that. And so it was just about, you know, going through years of, uh, of litigation that where he can't really get out of this in, in good shape. But beyond that, I think that, you know, Adam Wallman, you know, likes to feud with the press. He likes to try things out in, in, in the glare. He was uh, suspended by Twitter for violating, um, privacy practices during during the midst of this case i mean he's he's represented russian oligarchs he's he's been he's been like all over the place doing you know very very strange stuff for lawyers as a lawyer and you know i his esteem is is not particularly high and and i you know it's interesting because i haven't really heard from him much of late he i should also say that that he was basically kicked off this case he lost uh, the ability to to practice license in in the state. Um, Wait, they he lost his bar card. He, he was he was suspended. His pro hoc advice uh, was revoked, basically because of you know how he was trying to litigate this this case uh, out there, and there were, there was accusations that he had leaked confidential materials to to tabloids and, and all that. And so you know, basically, he's no longer in the case anymore because the judge you know, said she wasn't going to have it in, in, in her courtroom. Um, the Russian ties are interesting because, you know, there has been this suspicion in many quarters about the army of Johnny Depp fans that are out there on social media, particularly on TikTok. I see them on Twitter. Whenever I tweet about the case, there is just an army of pro Johnny people out there. And that could just be 
organic. I know he's a big star and he's really popular and uh, he's had an online following for years. But there is also some suspicion in certain quarters that Adam Waldman or others associated with Depp have, you know, unleashed the bot armies on social media to essentially seed public opinion in this case. What do you think of those claims? Yeah, I think that, you know, that's been the suspicion of, of many for, for quite some time. I know for a fact that the New York Times had a couple of reporters looking into social media around Depp, uh, including a national security correspondent at one point. I know this because uh, Adam Waldman had posted uh, the emails from the New York Times reporters. And at, at that point, all of uh, Depp's followers started attacking these New York Times reporters as, as well. Um Reporters love that. Reporters yeah. love that when the lawyer posts your email inquiry for, for them. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that there's long been suspicions because, you know, it, it's been an incredible amount of activity uh, surrounding Depp for, for many years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no one can make quite sense of it. Uh, I mean, it almost seems coordinated. Now, I, I don't know for a fact that, that it is or that there is you know, bots or, you know, that sort of thing. It's just very, very weird. For the record, I have asked Depp's PR team about this issue and they maintain that there's nothing fun, no funny business going on. This is just organic. Johnny Depp fans around the world are mobilizing against her. So that, that is what they officially say. So we don't know. The thing that's interesting here is where we go. And th this trial is expected to wrap up in the next week or two. Um, we've now heard from both sides. We are now getting testimony from Heard's friends saying things, you know, that they saw her in certain condition after the altercations. If you were on the jury right now, what would you think? Gee, it's really, really hard to put myself in the shoes of, of, of a juror through all this, because in many ways, you know, I think that the, the, the questions that, that the jurors need to be asking are not the questions at all. That, that are being discussed at, at the trial. To me, you know, the, the, the real crux of the case is that this is a libel trial and whether or not the, you know, the words of her, her op-ed in the Washington Post defamed him. And so the questions that, that I would be asking as a member of the juror is, okay, what did she write? Were those words untrue? And did it ca cause specific damage to Depp beyond damage that might have been caused to him elsewhere? I hope that the jury gets to those questions and analyzes that and and really like figures out what their job is. I just have absolutely no clue because it, there's just been so much out there about this case where it's basically become a referendum on their marriage. I you know I think that that's partly been Depp's strategy to do that to to really broaden out the case so that so it is a referendum. Like, do you believe him? Do you believe her? And well, but that's, but, but, but that's the crux of the case is that if you, if you believe that what she wrote in the op-ed was true, you have to believe that she is a survivor of domestic violence. And if you believe that what she wrote is false, you have to believe that the details of the marriage were such that she was not a survivor of domestic violence. Well, she, she wrote that she, she had become a public figure representing domestic violence. And I think that there is actually a few ways to interpret that. She never actually mentioned, and she never mentioned Johnny Depp by name. She just mentioned that, that, you know, she had become some sort of symbol and, and most of her column was, was, you know, about, you know, 
how society treats people who come forward and what you know public policy there there should be about about that i think it's an interesting question uh it, you know it, it's argu- you know arguably you know that could have been defamed by implication with with the suggestion that there was domestic abuse in the marriage on the other hand you also get to the issue issue of damages i mean like she wrote this in 2018 they were divorced in 2016 so there were two years worth of uh, bad headlines. Was it the specific op-ed that caused him to to lose gigs, or was it all the previous headlines? And how much did his, his you know litigiousness contribute to the uh, repercussions that came towards him? You know, so I, I think these all are interesting uh, discussions in the jury room, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see the outcome here. Now, the the jury is all men, which I found surprising and interesting. You wrote a piece about this for Puck and got into it. Why is the jury all men? I could understand very easily why Johnny Depp wanted men. You know, obviously they could, you know, sympathize maybe with with him being the same gender. But I was much more interested in why, you know, Amber Heard kind of accepted men. I, I I spoke to some jury consultants and some lawyers about this topic. And, you know, basically the, the, you know, the theory is, uh, women might not respond so favorably to an ambitious, good-looking uh, young woman that they might see that sort of individual as kind of a threat. And I don't know whether that's true or not, but you know, in in the end, uh, both sides kind of came to the conclusion that they were better off going with men in the jury. And uh, it's pretty interesting. You know, one one prominent attorney pointed out to me that it wasn't just men who are on the on the jury. It's young men who are on the jury, too. So, you know, it's pretty pretty interesting. I I think we're going to have a lot more of these kind of Me Too libel trials. You know, we have all these beliefs out there about what, you know, men and women think about Me Too. But these trials become like real test cases. Because, you know, we got to fig- figure out, like, who are the people who are going to be deciding these questions? And, uh, you know, so we're, we're seeing uh, some interesting, you know, results here. Well, we'll see what the result is. I think the conventional wisdom that I've heard just from talking to lawyers is that the jury will likely throw out both sides and say, we can't decide who's lying, who's not lying, who is telling what story that may have a shred of truth and be exaggerated, who defamed who at what time, and specifically the damage question, which I've talked about previously on this show. So we'll see what happens. Thank you, Eric, for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, we are back with the call sheet. I'm here with producer Craig. Craig, are you watching the Depp Heard trial? Kind of strictly on TikTok and a little bit of Twitter. So you are consuming it, but you're not actually watching the live stream. Yes, I'm seeing whatever China wants me to see. Exactly. The uh, the numbers on this are going to be through the roof. This is actually my prediction for today. I am watching as much as I can. I am watching it on my computer. I put it on at home if I've got it on or if I'm, if I'm at home working. I stream it through Twitter. <laughs> if I'm driving around, I just like to have it on. It's so <laughs> For me, it's riveting. Um, but my prediction today is that when the numbers come out, for the consumption on Amber Heard's testimony, it's going to be in the millions bigger than most primetime shows. Really? So what does that mean numbers-wise? Give me some context. I have heard from sources that at any given moment, a million people were watching the feed on the Law & Crime 
Network, which is a very obscure cable channel. Um, it is being streamed on Law and Crime and on Court TV. And this judge, you know, sometimes the judges that allow cameras in the courtroom, it's one camera. So you get one feed of one person, and then sometimes it, it'll, you know, pan out. It'll go to someone else. This judge allowed two cameras. So we're getting not only the testimony, but we're getting the reaction shots. So it's even more compelling because you get to see what Johnny and Amber are reacting to when the other is testifying. It's pretty fascinating. Why are these trials allowed to be on television? Why, it's a totally discretionary thing. Judges can allow it or not allow it. And why would the judge allow it? How does that benefit anybody? Some judges feel that the public deserves to know this is a public forum and it's an education for everybody who watches on the legal system and they see it as additive. They also see some judges see it as the media's right to be accessed, uh, to have access to the court. You know, if the print reporter or the web reporter is allowed to sit there all day and take notes and, you know, record whatever they want, why shouldn't the public have access to that? I mean, I, I'm a big press freedom guy, so I love that. But I also see the downside. I mean, post OJ Simpson, I think a lot of judges recognize that when you allow cameras in the courtroom, it turns it into a circus. These people are performing not for the jury necessarily, but for their own careers as potential media personalities after the trial. And it can quickly go off the rails. Um, but I, I'm very grateful that this judge has allowed access to this trial because it's fascinating. Is this the most popular celebrity trial since O.J. Simpson? I think so. I mean, there, you know, there have been obviously the the Simpson civil trial did not allow cameras in the courtroom, and that was very different, uh, a different feel to it. Um, you know, I can't remember a trial that featured stars this big that had as much access as we do to it. I mean, and plus, it's not a this is not a criminal trial. Keep in mind, you know, this is not something where someone is going to go to jail. This is a purely civil matter. It's a defamation case. So it's just an unusual situation that they would be willing to drag each other through all this and that there wouldn't be some kind of settlement on the eve of trial. Yeah, and it's also the, the perfect time and where we are in social media for this to catch fire and be popular. Totally. And it's absolutely dominating, you know, TikTok, Twitter, reels all of them all right that is my prediction that is the show for today i want to thank eric gardner for joining me i want to thank producer craig orbeck and i want to thank you we'll see you tomorrow this episode is brought to you by state farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong but these are the words you really need to remember like a good neighbor state farm is there They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.